good to see all of you, and I want to welcome you. I hope that this first week of 2013 has been incredible and phenomenal. I also want to thank everybody that's watching online. We've got several Bedside Baptist people today uh, because they're sick. It happens. Did I, I said 2013? Man, I wish I'd go back to 2013. So uh, I hope that those of you who are watching online, I hope you get to feeling better good soon. Uh, I want to make an announcement. Next Sunday, uh, we are doing our second installment of what we're calling Pathway to Purpose. Um, many of you have already worked through that. Um, so this is the second installment, and it's uh, our equivalent of a membership process. Uh, I love our church family. I always have. I've been here for a little over five years now. And uh, we, uh, I'm excited about what's going on, and I'm excited that many of you are excited about what's going on. Uh, but I have a concern that we've got a lot of new faces, and uh, because we haven't been as intentional about making those connections, a lot of what we do is very informal uh, and more of like family style, uh, and I love that and I want to maintain that, but uh, there is definitely the, the possibility of people falling through the cracks and falling away, and I don't want that for anybody. So this Pathway to Purpose is just an equal access opportunity for anyone and everyone who wants to learn more about what we're doing and what we're focused on as a church and learn how you can get more connected to that mission, uh, this is an opportunity for anyone and everyone to participate in that. We will have lunch will be provided. There'll be child care people provided. It'll be happening right after service next Sunday. Uh, we still have a few spots available. So uh, if you are interested in participating in that, please RSVP with Amy Scaff. There's information in the bulletin. It's in the bulletin. All the other stuff's in the bulletin. Okay. Basketball tonight at 7. He wants me to announce that. Okay. It's all in the bulletin. Uh, today, we're going to start a new series. Uh, and I'm going to take, I don't know how long. I'm going to cover, uh, let's see. I'm going to cover five words today. So uh, it took us two years to work through the Gospel of Mark. It's going to take us a while to work through First Peter. Uh, but I want to tell you why uh, I feel like this is an important book for us to uh, wrestle with together. Um, over, you've heard of social justice warriors. Everybody's heard of that? Yes? Okay. Um, over the last three years, uh, admittedly, for better or worse, I was turned into what I'm going to call a Christian righteous warrior. That's what I'm calling it. Uh, you might call it something different. Uh, but what, what happened, it was reflexive in a lot of ways, but there was just a lot of craziness that happened in the last three years. We can all agree on that, right? A lot of craziness. And I don't have to get into details. We've been down that road. Um, but a lot of craziness. And it just looked like our world was going to hell in a handbasket. And a lot of people, most people, nobody, it didn't seem like, was saying anything about it. Uh, it just seemed like all the, all the Bible-believing, Jesus-loving, godly people, it, we just, everybody was quiet. And so I was like, well, somebody needs to say something. And I just took it upon myself, every platform that I have, uh, Every way I could just get my voice out there to say, hey, this stuff that's going on is wrong. Uh, it doesn't match the Bible. We need to stop this. And uh, as, as forcefully as I could, I, I took what stand I could take against some of these things that were happening. Now, looking back over the last three years, I stand by absolutely everything that I said and did. Stand by it 100%. But I have to admit that being a Christian righteous warrior took a toll. Okay. Uh, I looked, I had a Facebook flashback from like five years ago. 
I look about 15 years younger, okay? Uh, being a Christian righteous warrior, for me, really, I mean, I got, I got wrinkles, my eye twitches, it used to not twitch, all this gray hair was not there before, okay? Uh, so it took a toll in that way, and, and this is more so. Uh, I know for a fact there are people that I love and respect, and the positions that I took and the way that I took them, it hurt them. It hurt these people. And uh, a lot of these people were people that come to church here, and these people that I love and respect, they don't have anything to do with me anymore, and they're no longer a part of our church. And so over you know, the last year or so, I've really been praying, Lord, show me a better way. Show me a better way. And every time, the Lord just keeps bringing me back to First Peter. Uh, this is a book written, a letter written 2,000 years ago um, to a group of people that really aren't that much different than us as far as their values. And it's written in a culture and in a context that really isn't that much different than us as far as the challenges that they face. And so over the next, let's say six months, don't hold me to that, but let's say six months, we're going to explore this letter. And I want to encourage you to wrestle with this question with me. How can we confidently take a stand? How can we confidently be the people God needs us to be in this day and age in the most effective way possible? That's the question we're going to try to answer over the next six months. Today, we're going to think about who God uses. I think that's a great place to start. Let's all stand together. I'm going to read two passages. Matthew chapter 16 is where I'll start. And then I'm also going to read 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many, many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from me, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance to me. For you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. First Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles in the dispersion. Pray with me. Lord, we ask that you will make your word our standard, your spirit our teacher, your glory our goal. For the sake of our Savior, our Lord, Jesus Christ. Take a moment as you stand there with your eyes closed and your head bowed and pray for the people in this room. A lot of burdens, a lot of challenges, a lot of difficulties. Also a lot to celebrate in this room. Just pray for your church family. Pray for those that are watching online, especially those that are sick and hurting that they get well soon. Pray for our city, that God's will might be done in Winchester. And take a moment, pray for yourself. Pray a prayer something like this. Father, speak to me. I'm ready to hear. 
what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So we're studying 1 Peter. Peter, um, the author of this letter, is a guy named the Apostle Peter, is what we call him. Uh, And he was one of Jesus' closest followers and best friends. He walked around with Jesus for the better part of three years. Uh, And we actually, we know a lot about Peter. Uh, There's a lot written about him in the New Testament, and tradition tells us a lot about Peter. And this is one of the things, I think if you're a Bible nerd, you would probably have to agree with me on this. Uh, Peter was a flawed protagonist. He was a flawed protagonist. He's definitely one of the good guys, uh, but man, he had some bad moments, right? We can all agree on that. I'll give you some examples. Uh, Jesus, or Peter's first interaction with Jesus, one of his first interactions with Jesus, uh, Peter was a fisherman on the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus comes through town, and he wants to preach a message. He's there on the seashore. The crowd's cl- uh, just closing in on him, and uh, Jesus turns to Peter. He says, can I borrow your boat for a second? I want to preach from your boat. And so he gets in Peter's boat. He pushes out from the shore a little bit, and he preaches what I'm sure is the most incredible sermon ever. And it definitely had an influence on Peter because Jesus then turned to Peter and the carpenter started to tell the fishermen how to fish, Uh, which Peter was actually, at first he was like, okay, uh, so here's the deal, Jesus. We we already fished all night and we didn't catch anything, but because you say, I will. Now that's the right response, Christians, amen? That's the right response. Jesus, because you say, I don't really understand it, but because you say, I will. And so from the get-go, Peter does things the right way. He pushes out from shore, and uh, he drops his net right where Jesus tells him to drop his net. And then they start pulling the net, and it is the most, the greatest catch that he's he's ever had in all of his career. And so this is the most lucrative day of his business. He is raking in the fish. The net is beginning to break. The boat is about to sink. And so this, on Peter's most lucrative day as a fisherman, his most successful day as a businessman, what does he do? He jumps out of the boat, leaves all of his business equipment behind, the boat and the nets and all these fish. He swims to the shore. He bows down to Jesus. And for the next three years, he follows Jesus around. That's right. You know, that's like heroic. That's the right thing to do. Yes, Peter. Uh, Shortly thereafter, uh, Jesus is preaching to a crowd of 5,000 men, plus the women and children. It could have been 20,000 people there. They start getting hungry. Jesus miraculously feeds them. The next day, Jesus goes to the other side of the lake. This huge crowd of people, they track Jesus down because they're hungry again, and Jesus refuses to feed them. And then he preaches a sermon, a scathing sermon to this megachurch, 20,000 people. Jesus preaches a sermon entitled, Eat My Flesh and Drink My Blood, okay? And so he started off with the megachurch. He says, you only come over here because you want more food. It's not because you're hungry for the Lord. He says, I am the bread of life. Everyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood will never go hungry, will never go thirsty, will live forever. And the Bible says at that point, John chapter 6, verse 66, that many people turned away. And so the whole crowd goes away. Jesus turns around, and he's only got a small group left. He turns around to his disciples. He said, won't you leave too? And Peter says one of my favorite lines in all the Bible. He says, but to Lord, Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of life. And I'm like, yes, Peter, that's right. And he, he gets it. And, and then there's uh, Peter, we learn is uh, after Jesus is, is killed and buried and resurrected and ascends to heaven, Peter is the, of, of the disciples, he's the one that preaches the very first Christian sermon on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people are saved. Shortly thereafter, he's arrested for preaching Jesus in Jerusalem by the same people that had Jesus arrested. 
And he's standing trial before these same people that had Jesus convicted and killed. And they say to him, Peter, if you don't shut up preaching about Jesus, then we're going to kill you in the same way we killed Jesus. And how did Peter respond? He said, whether it's right to listen to you or listen to God, you can be the judge of that. But I can't help but tell of the good things, the incredible things I have seen and heard in my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we're like, yes, this is heroic. This, this guy gets it. Tradition tells us that Peter died in Rome. He was arrested for his faith and advocacy for Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And he was viewed as a threat to the Roman Empire. And so uh, they tried to squash that movement by intimidating the Christians to recant on their faith. Peter refused to do that. And so they went to crucify him. But Peter stopped them and he begged them. He said, please don't crucify me in the same way that my Lord was crucified. He said, I'm unworthy of that honor. And so they crucified Peter upside down and that's how he died. And so we, we, we think about Peter and in, in many ways he was a hero. But also Peter could be a knucklehead, right? So there was, there was a time that Jesus, the night Jesus was arrested, uh, the soldiers, they come and arrest Jesus and uh, Peter, just out of nowhere, goes like Rambo style, pulls a sword out. I don't know we got a sword. And he starts swinging wildly. He doesn't have very good aim, he, and he cuts the guy's ear off. And Jesus is like, what are you doing? Live by the sword, die by the sword. He picks the guy's ear up, and he puts it back on his head. And this was an instance where Peter is like, yeah, just, sometimes he just said and did some things. Later on that night, Jesus is getting beaten to a pulp as he's being tried. And Peter, the Bible says Peter watches from a distance. As he's watching the courtyard, Jesus is just maybe 100 yards, 100, just, not, just within, within an eye shot of, of Jesus getting beaten. And uh, this little teenage girl starts pestering Peter. And she says, aren't you one of the Galileans? Aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? And she, he, Peter tries to ignore her at first. He tries to brush her off, but she will not let up on this situation. And so it gets to the point where Peter, to save his own skin, he yells out in anger, and in profanity, and he starts cursing the name of Jesus. Three times he denied to even know Jesus. And so Peter's just like, sometimes heroic, sometimes knucklehead. And, and this is a mistake that I think that we make as we're thinking about people like Peter and also ourselves. We think, well, it was just kind of like, you know, he, par- he started down here, and it was just like this linear progression, you know, it just got, he just got, after that, you know, that was like rock bottom for Peter. But then what you read about Peter later on in life, after he's seen Jesus resurrected, crucified, resurrected, ascended to heaven, after that, after Pentecost Sunday, where the Holy Spirit comes down, 3,000 people are saved, after maybe even he wrote this letter, uh, Peter is in this place, and he starts playing favorites in the church. And he's buddy-buddy with the, the non-Jewish people, you know, they're having meals together, and he acts like everything's cool. But then his buddies from Jerusalem who are Jewish, they come up to this church, and now Peter acts like he's too good to hang out with the non-Jewish people. He starts playing favorites. This is late, this is late in Peter's life, when you would think he'd know better. It was so bad that Paul, the apostle Paul, had to confront Peter in front of the whole church. And so it wasn't like a linear progression. It was up and down for this man. In the passage that we read earlier, Peter, one moment, he makes one of the most profound statements that anyone uttered in all of human history. Jesus asked the question, who do people say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus is like, yes, 
That's right. He says, on this type of faith, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not be able to stand against it. Yes, Peter, this is right. This is good. But the very next minute, Jesus said something Peter doesn't like. And what does Peter do? He rebukes Jesus. You got to have some nerve to rebuke the one you just called the Son of God and Savior of the world to rebuke him to his face. He says, no, Lord. And how does Jesus respond? He says, get behind me, Satan. And so Peter would go from hero to zero in a minute. Now, that reality, that fact, is what makes this opening line so powerful to me. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. You see, there's six words right there is one of the most powerful testimonies that you could ever hear. Just six words. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Peter, the good, the bad, the ugly. Peter, warts and all. Peter, the one who rebukes Jesus, the one who denies Jesus, an apostle. One who is sent out by God for a special purpose, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Did you bring your Bibles to church? I hope you did. John chapter 21. I'm going to read this little passage to you. This is after Jesus has died and resurrected, and he is appearing now to his disciples in in various different places. Verse 15, John chapter 21 When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs, Jesus told him. A second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter responded, you know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep, he told him. He asked him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? How many times did Peter deny Jesus? How many times did Jesus ask Peter, do you love me? He asked him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved that he had asked a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. Truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you do not want to go. He said this to indicate what kind of death Peter would, uh, Peter would glorify God. After saying this, he told them, follow me. Jesus reinstated knucklehead up and down Peter. Didn't just reinstate him. Didn't just say, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll own you. I'll accept you as my follower. He commissioned him with a great purpose. So, The testimony of Peter, messed up, jacked up, tore up from the floor up, always making mistakes, Peter, chosen and set apart as a special ambassador of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is a powerful testimony, and it convinces me of something that is true. God uses flawed people. God uses flawed people people. If God is going to use anyone, he's got to use flawed people. Amen? Peter was a sinner. At times, he acted like a coward. 
At times, he believed he was better than others. At times, he had a potty mouth. At times, he was selfish. At times, he lied. At times, he was capable of murderous acts. He was a sinner, and Peter was foolish. You know that a man that rebukes God to his face ain't that bright. Peter was one of the first, the Bible tells us, was one of the first to see the empty tomb. And the Bible says that he went away perplexed. Every time I read that, I'm like, what is perplexing about this? Jesus told you exactly what's going to happen. And and sometimes they were so hard-headed. They just didn't listen. Peter had given his defense before the same court that convicted Jesus. And the judges, upon Peter and the other disciples leaving, the judges said this of them. They said, We know they're not that bright, they're not educated, but we can tell they've been with Jesus. So Peter was a sinner, and Peter was foolish, and Peter was chosen by Jesus for a special purpose. And don't get it confused, it isn't like Jesus couldn't have found a better candidate, a more qualified, a more able candidate. It is that Jesus delights in using what some might call the rejects. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. This year, one of my resolutions is to um, make you bring your Bibles to church. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning of verse 26. Brothers and sisters, consider your calling. Not many were wise from human perspective, not many powerful, not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something, so that no one may boast in his presence. It is from him that you are in Christ Jesus, who became wisdom from God for us, our righteousness and sanctification and redemption, in order that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Friends, because God uses flawed people, this is what I believe this morning, God has a special plan and purpose for each and every one of you. I've heard people say this time and time again, but Jeff, I I don't really have anything to offer. I'm not that smart, I'm not that educated, I'm not that bold, I'm not that courageous, I'm not that outgoing. I don't pray enough, I I don't really know enough of the scriptures, I I don't really know enough of like church theology. I hear people say, well, I'm just not really that good of a person. I still sin and I still make mistakes. I've got a bad history, I've got all these things, all this baggage that I'm carrying from my past, and I just don't see how God can use a person like me. But this is what I'm convinced of. If God is willing to use Peter, a lying, cheating, murderous coward, if God is able to use Peter, a foolish sinner, then God can and God will use a person like you. Amen? Do you want to be used by God this morning? Do you want to take a stand against the darkness that we see in this world? Do you want to advance the kingdom of light? I think that's why you're here, because you have a hunger, you have a desire to make a difference in this world, to stop darkness right in its tracks. You want that. Well, this is my encouragement to you today. It starts with you taking your focus off of yourself and putting your faith and your focus in Jesus Christ. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 again. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. The emphasis of Peter's introductory line is not Peter the person, 
It's not the apostle, the title. The emphasis of this very opening line in Peter's letter is Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. You see, the power to overcome the darkness is not based on your ability or your power or your intellect or your wisdom as a person. The authority set to set the world right is not based on your title or your credentials as an apostle. The power and the authority has been given and comes from Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. And so if you measure your ability to overcome evil and make a difference in this crazy world we're living in by looking in the mirror, then you're never going to be good enough. If you're, if you're waiting to go out and make a difference in this world, if you're waiting to go out and overcome the darkness in this world by looking in the mirror and waiting until, okay, I see a person who's capable of doing it, you're never going to be good enough because the devil's going to whisper in your ear, you're a hypocrite. The, the enemies, the jealous people in your life, they're going to tell you that you're foolish. Your circumstances and your situations, they're going to tell you you're too weak for this. So I'd encourage you, take your eyes off your name, your title, your authority, your power, your wisdom, your intellect, and put your faith, put your focus in Jesus. The Bible says he is the author and the perfecter of our faith. That means that Jesus started our faith, and Jesus is the one who's going to grow our faith. Jesus is the one who's going to use our faith. Jesus is the one who's going to bring us and mature our faith. The grace that saved you is the grace that will sustain you, is the grace that will give you the victory over the darkness. When Jesus rebuked Peter in the passage we read earlier, it was because Peter was unwilling to follow God's plan. He couldn't see how the cross would bring victory. He, he didn't understand how Jesus' death could bring life. And so he said to Jesus, who he just called the, the, the Christ, the Son of God, he says to Jesus, no, Lord, Jesus diagnosed Peter's problem in this way, Matthew chapter 16, verse 23. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. In other words, you're not advancing the kingdom of light. You're, you're no threat to the kingdom of darkness. You're a hindrance to me. Why? For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. You see, we get we play right into the devil's hands when we try to make our own way instead of trusting God's plan. We really get into trouble when we take our eyes off of Jesus and we lean on our own understanding. There was one time Peter was in a boat with his buddies. Jesus wasn't there. He, he had hang out. He, 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 uh, he stayed back. He was praying on a mountain. Peter and his buddies are crossing this, this lake. It's the middle of the night, and it's, it's starting to get kind of stormy. Well, then they look out on the water, and they, they see what appears to be a ghost. As it gets closer and closer, they realize this is Jesus. And Jesus calls out to the boat, to Peter. He says, come to me. And Peter, he gets out of the boat. He steps onto the sea. And as long as his eyes are on Jesus, what is he able to do? He can walk on that water. But what happens the moment he takes his eyes off of Jesus and puts it on the waves, puts it on the storm, puts it on the darkness. What happens to Peter when he takes his eyes off of Jesus? He begins to sink. Amen. He sinks. You see, if, if you're trying to navigate this crazy world by your own strength, by your own wisdom, 
the chaos and the darkness, it will overwhelm you. It will bring you down. The key to victory in our broken world is no different today than it was in Peter's day. Step out of your comfort zone. Walk by faith in following Jesus. Be reminded today of the roughneck, the hard-headed, the fisherman from Galilee who became a pillar for the church, a key holder of heaven, a world changer in Jesus' name. How did he do it? By finally saying yes to Jesus. Yes, Lord, you know I love you. What are you asking me to do? Feed my sheep. Well, Lord, I I don't understand how that's going to make a difference. Just feed my sheep. Just do what I've asked you to do. And Peter becomes a world changer. I wonder today, how many of you are, you're trying to navigate this crazy world and the challenges of your life by your own will and by your own understanding? How many of you are here today and you are at wit's end because you just don't know how you're going to figure it out? Well, what if God's got the answer? What if, what, if, what if the strength that you need is not found within? What, what if it's only found on your knees praying to Jesus? Friends, what I want to encourage you to do today and what I'm trying to do more and more is to put all my faith and all my hope and all my trust on Jesus Christ. Not on me. I'm independent. I'm stubborn. I'm hard-headed. I think I can do it. What I'm learning, this gray hair is teaching me, this switching eye is teaching me, no, I can't. No, I can't. I need Jesus. You need Jesus. And that's where it starts. That's where it starts. If God can use Peter, I'm believing he can use me. I'm flawed. Listen, I'm going to tell you this. As many times, I'm not perfect. I I am the pastor of this church. I'm doing my best to lead. I'm going to make mistakes. You got that, right? Yeah. (laughs) I'm not perfect. I'm going to make mistakes. But this is what I'm believing, okay? This is what I'm putting my faith in. God has me here in Winchester at this church with this church family for a reason. And he is going to be the one that empowers the success. He is the one who's going to empower the outcome. Not me, him. In the same way, God has you right where you are for a purpose, And it's his power that's going to get you through. It's his power that's going to make you successful. So let's all stand together. We're going to sing a song. Father, thank you for everybody here today. Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for Peter and the testimony that he's given us today. And I pray that you'll renew our resolve today. As we start this new year, Lord, I pray that more than anything else, we resolve ourselves to draw nearer to you. First and foremost, before we do anything else, Lord, help us come to you. Help us to love you with all of our hearts. Help us to trust you in all of our ways. Help us to follow you with all of our strength. And we give you praise in advance for all that you're going to do in us, all you're going to do through us, and all you're going to do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing a song of invitation. This is an opportunity for you to be prayed for. If you're here today and you're carrying a burden that's too heavy for you to carry, if you've been trying to figure out this life all by your own, man, what a great opportunity to come. Just kneel before the Lord and just say, hey, I can't do it, Lord, and I need you to help me. One of our prayer warriors would be honored to pray with you. If you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, let me tell you, 
The Bible says, if you are without God, you are without hope. It's just that simple. If you are without God, you are without hope in this world because the success, the outcome of your life is dependent on you and you alone. And you and you alone are not strong enough. You cannot save yourself from your sin, from hell, into heaven. You can't be good enough. You can't be strong enough. You can't fix it, but Jesus can. He says, come to me, all who are weak and weary, and I will give you rest. If you're here today and you've never surrendered to your life to Jesus, will you please come and talk to me? And let me tell you about your next steps. I want to pray with you. As we sing this song, come.